Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. David Letterman celebrates his 75th birthday today, having been born on April 12, 1947. I briefly spoke to the late-night comedy legend on the red carpet when he received the Kennedy Center's Mark Twain Prize for American Humor in 2017. You're famous for the top ten list, but what are the top three reasons you deserve or don't deserve this tonight? I don't, I don't feel that I do deserve it. Uh, <laughs> honestly, if you, can, if you consider uh, the, uh, the point of a, a humorist, uh, Mark Twain was a, an author, a, a journalist, and, and a humorist, and a social commentator. Um, I was nothing. I sat behind a desk. Uh, I did enjoy the makeup, and I read uh, introductions off blue cards. So if there's an award for that behavior, I would feel comfortable. This awesome. Martin Short was down here trying to draft you and Schaefer for 2020, and Senator Franken endorsed it. What do you say? I'm in. Yeah! The article in the Post today was a lot about being a father. What, is, what has he taught you? What is fatherhood and having a 13-year-old Are you a father? I am not. Mm -hmm. Are you a father? I connected not when yet. you... Father? Someday. Well, then you know exactly what it is. It's, uh, it's a, a, a switch that goes on the minute they're born, and you'll never get it turned off. And the uh, love uh, is equal in measure to the concern and fear that you have for the child, and it never takes a second off. He, I know he's in this building right now. I'm not sure where he is. He's with his cousins. I'm still worried about him and that never goes away. Sometimes it's way up here, sometimes it's down here, but it never goes away. Letterman's colleagues also showed up on the red carpet, including longtime announcer Alan Coulter. How you doing? You and Schaefer, too. You guys are going to be inextricably linked to Mr. Letterman the rest of your lives and yes. careers. How? I mean, that's got to be a huge honor in itself. It's fantastic. It's been the greatest 20 years. And tonight is just a culmination. We thought the very last show was the culmination of 20 years, although he's 33, and it isn't. Wait till you see the show tonight. It's just hysterical. Everybody who really loves him tells him how much they hate him tonight. How much do you hate him? I hate him so much. No, I love the man. I really do. Absolutely. He's just, he's just great. Are you going to be doing any announcements during the show? I will. I'll play, hopefully play a big part in the show tonight, and you'll see it on TV. Yeah, there's your teaser. No, just hearing your voice here on the carpet, it brings back old memories Thank of the show. Thank you very much. Thank you, Thank sir. You. Have fun tonight. Take care. I next spoke with current late night host Jimmy Kimmel. He's not the type that enjoys, he's not going to bathe in the glory. And that's part of what we love about Dave is he, he always seems to be uncomfortable. In a way, I think it makes us a little bit more comfortable. Mr. Kimmel. Hello. That's one of his personal ties. Did he give them to you because his beard just got too long and covers him up now? Maybe that was shorter? the reason. I thought he was being generous, but yeah, maybe turns out that he just didn't want them anymore. <laughs> I think so. Your beard's a little short. Lumberjack, I think, might be something <laughs> he could do. He's got the beard already. I bet he's probably got flannel shirts. Um, we all know, of course, the top The top ten is what we remember him. What are the top three? We don't have time for ten, but three reasons why he deserves this award tonight. Top three reasons. Well, I need a band and a drummer to really <laughs> make this effective. Um, number three, he's inventive. Number two, he's um, an original. And number one, he's funny. Awesome. I learned so many things from Dave. It's I think I learned far more from Dave and from watching his show than I learned from school, um, from any kind of class I, I ever took, any book I ever read, and I didn't even realize it until I started doing my show. And you just kind of you figure out a way to present things, and it, it just permeates your subconscious. And it's a great lesson because, you know, for many, many years we were told, don't watch television 
uh, it's going to rot your brain. And for me, it was even more important than school. And uh, just final question, you've sort of filled the John Stewart void in a way, and you probably didn't even mean to do it, but you're sort of the, you've become the average Joe's political connection. You, you've, you reach out to, into the living rooms in a way that other late night hosts don't. So is that something that you, you enjoy, or is it something that you just felt was important and you just stepped in the role? Listen, people, uh, when you make a career as I have, doing very stupid things all the time, <laughs> at one time out of a million you say something serious and people pay attention. So it's almost like a, a gorilla learning to uh, put a, a shape into a puzzle. <laughs> I look at it that way. Do I feel that comedy is getting more political? I think the world is getting more political and as a result comedy is getting more political with it. Um, for the most part it seems to be a negative. Yeah. It doesn't seem like we focus on things unless something goes wrong. So most of everything that's in the news, I think, is negative. <laughs> All right. Thank you, sir. All right. I next spoke with comedian John Mulaney. Hey, man. How are you? How are you? Good. Um, when, do you, when do you remember first watching Letterman? Did you growing up as a, as a kid? Yeah, as a kid, the, the NBC show. And uh, the bit I remember most was him going to L.A., actually. I remember one of the first episodes that I remember sitting and watching he was uh, doing one of his weeks in L.A. Uh, the, the wall behind them was the Hollywood sign with a mudslide, which, like, in Chicago I didn't get at all, but it was still super funny. And he went to a wig shop and tried on different toupees and then read the introduction of the wig shop owner's biography where he talks about how a hairpiece should make you feel. And that was, uh, I still remember it, one of the funniest things I've ever seen. And then, and then when he switched networks, was it a bit of confusing? You're like, hey, this isn't him. This looks like Leno. No, I followed that closely. I, you know, like, uh, I loved TV. So a big, <laughs> for all the news to be about TV for a child is very exciting. Awesome. Yeah. Sounds good. Thank Have you. a good one. I next spoke with Jimmy Walker, who was Dynamite as JJ on Good Times. Are you your Oh, I'm a one-man oh, band. Is that all right? Is that one-man guy? <laughs> Look at this. Unless you want to hold the camera. No, 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 no. I'm not. I'm not on TMZ. Thank you. Thank you so much. No. When did you first remember watching Letterman? Do you remember like an earliest bit? His earliest bit. See, Dave was not really a stand-up. He was a witticism kind of guy. He's not a stand-up. You know, I think that's why he was such great friends with Leno, because Leno is a strong, stand-up, killer comic. Uh, uh, Dave was never that. I mean, he was never that, and he'd be the first one to say that. So he's really done some more kookier things. As you can see, the show, he had the monkey camp, and he had George Miller's bedroom and he had thrown watermelons off the thing so it was a different thing was jay could come out for 30 or 40 minutes and blast you with with humor so that was what dave and and jay had the dichotomy there absolutely well we're here for mark twain tonight but later this year at the kennedy center honors norman lear a man very close to you right started good times i love norman he's a fabulous guy he's not really a jimmy walker fan really never never has been i think he think he thinks that I hijacked the show. With one line? Yeah. Dino. Could you say it for him? No, stop it. Just, <laughs> and, you know, and, I, and I love Norman. He's fabulous. He's probably the most one of the creative guys around. I mean, Chuck Lorre and those guys do what they do now, but they'll never be what Norman Lear was. But I'm, 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 I'm a little bit hurt that Norman is not as much of a fan of Jimmy Walker, which he, maybe he should be. There's still time. We actually interviewed him, and he said he didn't remember the famous Damn Damn episode. Do you remember that one, of course? Nah. Oh, well, yeah, the, the dad passed away. A lot of people talk, they talk a lot about it. Yeah, they talk about that you episode. It's like you got Morton Short coming, so let me get out of your way. Right, yeah, you got the real guys Thank coming you. in. I next spoke with 
Martin Short. Sure. Hello, sir. You've been on Letterman a bunch. Do you remember, do you have a favorite time that you went on? With Dave? With Dave, yeah. Are they all blurred? Yeah. We asked Jimmy Kimmel this, but top three reasons why he deserves this award tonight. He is a legend. He's an original. And he is one of the great influences. Those three good reasons. Dave was so much of my generation. And uh, I'd grown up with Johnny, so it was scary, the idea of Johnny. It was like winning approval of your parents or something. Once I did Johnny, I adored doing Johnny. And I did Johnny about nine times in the last four years of his experience there. So Johnny was the best. But I was intimidated by Johnny. I just thought Dave's more of my generation, so I'm fine. You know. um, how sincerely kind and, and sweet he can be and how funny he is at dinner and how unbelievably intelligent. I wouldn't mind him seeing him running at the, the office of presidency at this point. Someone's got to. Dave 2020. I go Dave 2017, personally. <laughs> Who would be his running mate? Paul. Who else? There you go. That makes ah, sense. America. Yeah. I also spoke with Al Franken. Hello, Mr. Franken. Do you remember a first, because uh, timeline it for me, you guys are both in New York, you're doing SNL, he's doing the show. Any good uh, New York stories out on the town with him? Not really. Dave wasn't one of these talk show hosts who the subject of his... You know, was you know, you and I were at this party last night with a lot of celebrities. It's one of the things I love about Dave, is that wasn't what he did. I, I you know, I did every once in a while go to a, a go to dinner with Dave when an, an old friend of both of ours from L.A. from the old Comedy Store days would come into town, like George Miller or someone like that. Uh, so, and I of course did the show a number of times and. Uh, he's a good he's a good friend, but no, we were not. Uh, I think he went home after the show. Yeah. <laughs> a few minutes ago, Martin Short tried to recruit David Letterman for president 2020. Uh, would you run with him? Uh, you got the experience. I, I Dave, I know won't come near that, and I won't go near it either. Fear yeah. the beard, right? That'd be the slogan. Fear the beard. Fear the beard is good. <laughs> Dave Dave just felt patient. Uh, I. Uh, I'm slow. My, I'm a slow talker. And uh, he knew where I was going. You know, you do a pre-interview with a, a producer. And I just felt that he wasn't impatient if 30 seconds went by and there wasn't a laugh. He knew what was coming. And he was relaxed. Uh, well, it's, it's, uh, I, I couldn't believe he hadn't gotten a Twain before. A Twain, as if that's a thing. Uh, the Mark Twain Prize. Uh, but I think it's it's so well deserved, and he's a good friend, and I'm very uh, very thrilled to be here and be part of it. Finally, I spoke with Bruce Valanche. I, the first time was actually uh, he was a comic, and uh, and I was writing for comics, and I met him in a stoplight in Laurel Canyon, and he was in a huge truck, and I was in a, like an, an, an Alfa Romeo, and I was just kind of staring up at him, and I don't think he'd ever been stared up at before. Except, you know, maybe he had a very short friend at one point. But, uh, and, and I said, well, you're very funny. And he said, well, you're very funny. And then the light changed, and that was it. So that was my first experience. Not brilliant, but... Uh, and then he had the morning television show, which I was crazy about. I mean, it was so strange to, you know, get up at 10 o'clock in the morning, and there he would be, talking to housewives, because he's such an oddball. I mean, he's just a genuine oddball, and I always thought his appeal was that, you know, we're all just a little off. 
and we understand that, that it's not showtime every night for all of us. And it wasn't showtime every night for him. Some nights he felt like doing it, some nights he didn't. And he shared his moods with people, which I think is uh, the function of a guy who has that kind of job. And I think people appreciated it, and they appreciated all of his... Uh, the strange things he brought... I mean, he made a star out of Dr. Ruth. Now he brought this little German woman talking about orgasms. And on the same show, you'd have Larry Bud Melman, who was also a little German woman in his own way, but never talked about orgasms. Did you uh, have a favorite recurring bit that he would do on the late oh, show? It, it actually was uh, Larry Bud. And, and anything where he was, uh, you know, put fish out of water, when he would send his mother to Norway <laughs> to cover the Olympics, or just force her to bake a secret pie. And to pretend she was like on some kind of game show. It was all that kind of stuff. And uh, he would do things uh, like substitute up Jack in the Box for the guy taking orders. You know, and uh, all things all things that people do a lot now that, that nobody else would, I mean, Steve Allen had done that stuff. And, um, and he took a page out of Steve Allen's book because everybody else was doing the kind of homogenized Johnny Carson approach. And his was just, we're all sort of strange in our own way. And come share my strangeness with me for half an hour. What current guy or gal, either in network or even cable, do you think comes the closest to his brand? Because he's, like you said, not like the Carson or Leno. He's yeah. got a little more uh, sarcasm there. Uh, it's probably Colbert, which is why I always thought Colbert was the only one who could replace him. Because he has a similar thing. Now, Stephen's dip- the difference was that Stephen had a character that he had created that he's not doing anymore. But he himself is so interesting that uh, that it didn't matter. And of course, once uh, the new administration came in and he really had a bone to chew on, then you saw how good he really was. Thanks so much for joining us on Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Remember to hit the subscribe button and give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time. I wanted to take a second to tell you about an app I really enjoy. Living in the D.C. area is great, and Podcast D.C. gathers all of the local shows that I like all in one local app. Health, sports, local news, politics, and so much more. Podcast D.C. is the new local app with hundreds of D.C. area podcasts to choose from. I can earn exciting rewards just for listening and share the podcasts I love instantly. Available in the App Store or in Google Play, listen local with Podcast D.C.